Pastor Xavier Reese says you can trust the Bible. You have God's Word on it. Trustworthiness of Scripture has a great benefit for the believer to guide us in what is true about God. John 17, 17, sanctify him through thy word. Thy word is truth. You want to know absolute truth about God, you get into the Bible, not people's books. You've got the first-hand manuscript. You want absolute truth, you get into the Bible. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. A recent survey revealed that 66% of adults believe there is no such thing as absolute truth. But oddly enough, those who make that claim go on to make tons of decisions every day on the basis that they believe some things are true and some are false. For example, flipping on a light switch requires believing in the reality of electricity. Still, the search for ultimate truth seems to be a never-ending one, despite the simple truths from God provided for us in Scripture. Here's Pastor Xavier continuing our series of the prophet Jeremiah. Let's listen. The name Jeremiah means whom God has appointed. And whenever God appoints someone, it is a high calling. There is no higher calling than to speak for God. Jeremiah is considered by many as the greatest spiritual personality in Israel. Jeremiah's life was a mark, uh, marked by difficulty and sadness over the sinfulness of his people and their destruction to come. The man felt his message, as we're going to see. Jeremiah is one of the major prophets, Daniel, Isaiah, Ezekiel being some of the others. The word prophet is significant because in the Hebrew, it's one who speaks on behalf of God. In the Greek, it's much the same thing, one who is the spokesman of God. And the common idea is that of a prophet who exercises that office or that position primarily to speak for God, not so much to speak predictively of future events. And that's how a lot of people look at prophets as speaking things revealed in the future. But if you look and examine, the majority of the, of the utterances of the prophets were those of calling God's people back, of warning them, of reproving them. And then once in a while there was predictive future events. So the primary function of prophecy was to speak in place of God, for God, to the people. Now the Lord called Jeremiah to be the prophet. Here in chapter 1, it's very evident in verse 5, he says, I ordained you. In verse 7, he says, I send you. In verse 9, he says, I put my words in your mouth. Uh, and then in verse 10, he says, see, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. Jeremiah was not just called to Israel. And I'm using the word Israel as a whole nation, but he was in Judah, because remember, the, the kingdom was divided. Northern kingdom, Israel. Southern kingdom, Judah. Okay? But it's Jerusalem that he's prophesying. But he's not only called to them, but he's called to the whole nations. And he's going to deal with the nations. The prophet to the whole world as we, he knew it in those days. Now, the prophets were sent by God often when the priest, the Levitical order, and the judges and kings had become corrupt. That was when God called prophets. And most of the prophets were not related to any of those places. Now, Jeremiah seems to be related to the high priest, but it's kind of an exception. Usually he calls like, have you ever read Amos? He was a fruit picker and a sheep herder. 
And they kicked him out of the noise. He said, what are you doing? I didn't call myself. I'm a fruit picker. I'm a sheep. God sent me. Amazing. The prophet of God was known by the accuracy of his predictions when there was predictions, by the way. And he had to be 100% accurate. Otherwise, they would stone him. And I'm talking about with stones to kill him, not to get him loaded. They stoned him, all right? They killed him. Now, there are many prophets today that declare themselves to be prophets, but they're not 100% correct. Now, if they want to submit themselves to the qualifications and conditions of the scriptures, then I'm all for it. But they won't. You find that in Deuteronomy 13, 5 through 11, and 18, 18, and 19. Today there's an entire movement in the church that calls themselves prophets of God. They declare they speak directly to God at different times. In fact, I heard one just 12 years ago on the television, and I had to restrain myself to not put my foot through the television. But he said that he was having a conversation with Jesus as he was shaving and I'm going, Jesus is talking to you? You're shaving and you continue to shave? <laughs> now, I, I don't know what Bible he's reading, but my Bible says that when Moses came before God, God said, take your shoes off, you're on holy ground. He put his face to the ground. Isaiah said, woe is me, I'm undone. Peter said, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And he's shaving? <laughs> False prophet, Second Peter chapter 2. 1 Timothy 3.1.4.1. Doctrines of demons. The trustworthiness of Scripture is, has a great benefit for the, for the believer. To guide us in what is true about God. John 17.17. 17, Sanctify him through thy word. Thy word is truth. If you want to know absolute truth about God, you get into the Bible. Not people's books. Books are okay, but you sift them through the Bible. You want absolute truth? You get into the Bible. You've got the first-hand manuscript. <laughs> People say, well, have you read the new, latest book on, on Satan? Why would you want that second-hand? Go to the Bible. I've got to judge that book by the Bible. Nothing against books. If you've been in my office, you know I have books. To be able to recognize what is false. Acts 17.11, we're supposed to be Bereans. With all readiness of mind and heart to receive those things that we hear. But then we examine to say, let's check it out. Is that biblical or not? Very important. This was the prophet Jeremiah. Oh, they had their movements in, in, in Jeremiah's day. We're going to go through them. Oh, we're okay, we're okay. They're going to bring back the temple instruments. You watch in three months. And, and we're okay. And Jeremiah's a quack. He doesn't know. Oh, no, we're, they're coming back to captivity. I know they took a seat, but they're going to bring them back. You know, it just lies. You're okay, I'm okay, we're okay. No, we're not. We're, we're in bad shape. Thirdly is the ministry of Jeremiah. First of all, Jeremiah's ministry was to declare God's case against the people. God always addresses sin. In chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, he speaks about the espousal, the betrothal, when they were in love with him in the first days. You know how it is when you're first married? Okay? Guys, cultivate that relationship. Keep it up, okay? In verse 9 and 35 is the indictment. Uh, Therefore I will yet bring charges against you, says the Lord. And against your children's children I will bring charges. One generation goes to another. If you are not walking with God, parents, your children are not going to walk with God. If you're being a hypocrite, they're ten times more the hypocrite. Because they learn faster. They're twice worse off the child of the devil. As we're told in the New Testament. 
Verse 4 to 13, you have the particular charges that are declared. Let me just run through some of them. Verse 5, they turned to idols. Verse 8, the priests abandoned God and didn't know him. The rulers transgressed the law and the prophets spoke for Baal. Verse 11, the charges were to them and their children's children. Generational sin. They had changed their God for gods that were no gods. No other nation had done that. Verse 13, the two evils are declared. Here it is. For they forsake God and they hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns at best that can hold no water. Here's the picture. In that part of the world, water is a premium, not much rain. So they would carve out cisterns or they would use cisterns there. And in the rainy time, they would fill them all up and they would use those. He says, now, I'm the source of the water. You've left the source of living waters. And at best, you've got these cisterns that hold muddy, stagnant water. But even at that, you would spend a whole year or two years carving out a cistern, and you would know if it didn't have a crack in it through the first rain. So at best, if it doesn't have any crack, you have stagnant water. Why would you want to do that when you have a running spring? This was their crime. Their spiritual decay was directly related to their moral corruption. Look at verses 17 through 30. The people were responsible for the consequence of their lives. Listen, you are responsible for your sin. God nails them. Look at verse 17. They had brought... Their destruction on themselves, forsaking the Lord. Verse 19, their own wickedness would correct them and their backslidings would rebuke them. Verse 20, 23, and 35, they were denying their sin. It's not my fault. It is your fault. But I'm dysfunctional. No, you're not. You're a dirty, rotten sinner. Throw those words out. You're a saint or an ain't. You're a sinner or you're a forgiven sinner. One of the two. You're responsible for your life. The sum total of your life is the sum total of every decision you've ever made. You cannot blame people. I cannot blame people. They have become a degenerate plant. Verse 21. Remember Isaiah 5? What else could I have done? God said, I hedged it. I watered it. Wild grapes. Like wild donkeys. Verse 24. They're lusting, driving over their neighbor's wife like a wild donkey in, in heat. Can't stop them. Adulterers, fornicators, like pagans, praying to trees, verse 26 and 27. Verse 30, like rebellious children, they did not receive the chastening of their God, and they killed the prophets. Verse 37, the nation would go into captivity, broken hearted. Look at verse 37 there. They would go forth from God, but with their hands on their head, as captives, their trust and their allies would be thwarted by God. Nothing would stop that. The central message of the book of Jeremiah is twofold. Here it is, real simple. God would punish his people. And secondly, God would restore his people and then punish Babylon. Real simple. God would punish his people and then God would restore his people. Listen to the punishment. Jeremiah 26, 12 through 13. Then Jeremiah spoke to all the princes and all the people saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city and all the words that you have read. Now, therefore, amend your ways and your doings and obey the voice of the Lord your God. Then the Lord will relent concerning the doom that he has pronounced against you. But they did not. Now, listen to the restoration and the punishment of Babylon in Jeremiah thirty fifteen through 18. Why do you cry about your affliction? Your sorrow is incurable because of the multitudes of your iniquities, because your sins have increased. I have done these things to you. Therefore, all those who devour you shall be devoured. And all your adversaries, every one of them, 
shall go into captivity. Those who plunder you shall plunder them, and all those who prey upon you I will make a prey. For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, because they called you an outcast, saying, This is Zion. No one seeks her. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring back the captivity of Jacob's tent and have mercy on the dwelling place of the city, shall be built upon its own mound, and the places shall remain according to its own plan. Sooner or later, God is the judge of everybody. Secondly, the ministry of Jeremiah was one of suffering. You cannot miss that when you go through Jeremiah. That's why you're so overwhelmed by Jeremiah. He was called to proclaim and observe the death of a nation. You get that in chapter 1, verse 14 and 16. The death of a nation, to pull down, to pluck up, to destroy before it could be rebuilt again. Have we been called to observe the death of a nation? Are we the generation? Very possibly. Listen to him. For I have, for I heard many mocking, fear on every side, report, they say, and we were reported. All my acquaintance watched for my stumbling, yet saying, perhaps he can be induced. Then we will prevail against him and we will take our vengeance on him. Suffering. Everybody was against him, family and friends. He was sought out with the intent to be murdered in Jeremiah eleven nineteen. Listen, but I was like a docile lamb brought to the slaughter, and I did not know that they had devised schemes against me. Let us destroy the tree and the fruit, and let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name may be remembered no more. Heavy ministry, huh? Now, how many of us would stick in ministry if that happened? Jeremiah 20, verse 2, he was put in the stocks by the, by the priest. Then Pashur struck Jeremiah the prophet and put him into the stocks that were in the height gate of Benjamin and was by the house of the Lord. From the stocks he went to prison. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was in the king of Judah's house, Jeremiah 32.2. When the city was taken, Jeremiah was in the can. <laughs> he was in jail. For what? For the gospel. So they pulled up Jeremiah with ropes in Jeremiah 38.13, and they lifted him out of the dungeon, the miry clay at the bottom of that cistern, and Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. His reputation was that he was a traitor to the nation because he was telling them to just give up to Babylon. Listen to Jeremiah 36, 13. He was going out to the land of Benjamin to claim his property, and they said this, you are defecting to the Chaldeans. And he was labeled a traitor. By the way, he was not to marry the times were going to be so bad. Listen to what God says in Jeremiah 16, 2 through 4. You shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons or daughters in the place. For thus saith the Lord concerning the sons and daughters who are born in this place and concerning their mothers who bore them and their fathers who begot them in the land. They shall die gruesome deaths. They shall not be lamented, nor shall they be buried. But they shall be like refuge in the face of the earth. They shall be consumed by the sword by famine. Their corpses shall be meat for the birds of the heaven and the beasts of the field. Do you realize that the Babylonians came in and they grabbed infants by the legs and swung them around and slapped their heads up against the rock. They ripped up pregnant women. And by the way, the Israelites, they ate their own children during this time in famine. We have similar predictions in the day of the tribulation, in great tribulation. It would be better not to be pregnant in those days. Paul the Apostle says that in 1 Corinthians 7, it's better for some of you not to be married, but to be like me because the times are coming in persecution. 
We look to our world today and many people say, should I have kids? Let me tell you, it's a hard decision, isn't it? He was called to be one with his message, never separated from his message. Listen to him. He wept for the conditions of the people. Jeremiah 9, 1. All that my heads were watered and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughters of my people. He loved the people of God. But if you will not hear it, my soul will weep in secret for you. Pride. My eyes will weep bitterly and run down with tears because the Lord's flock has been taken captive. Jeremiah thirteen seventeen. His heart was with the people. But at the same time, he was desiring righteousness and righteous judgment for the sins of the people. You know that as parents. You know, you love your kids. Sometimes you want, ah, hey, what's the matter with you? It's a sweet sour, isn't it? Listen to that. But O Lord of hosts, captain of the armies of heaven, never lost a battle. You who judge righteously, testing the minds and the hearts, let me see your vengeance on them. For to you I have revealed my cause. Pretty heavy, isn't it? He cursed the day of his birth, seeing only labors and sorrows, much like Job in Jeremiah 20, verse 15 and 18. Dr. G. Campbell Morgan says this about his suffering in the day of his cursing. He says, in the story of Jeremiah's shrinking and pain and tears, we have a picture of a man in such perfect fellowship with God that through him, God was able to reveal his own suffering in the presence of sin. Heavy ministry. Few can handle it. Thirdly, Jeremiah's ministry was to a spiritually deaf people. And yet, he was to go and to proclaim God's word to them. God told him at the beginning, I'm going to make you an iron pillar, brazen wall. Don't be confounded before the faces, lest I dismay you. In other words, translation, they're not going to hear you. So when they're saying, or when they're gnashing their teeth, or when they're saying, don't freak out, or I'll turn you over to them. You stand by me. Whoa. Listen, Jeremiah 5.1. God told Jeremiah to go through the streets of Jerusalem and to see if he could find one man who executed judgment and truth, and he would pardon it. He couldn't find one. Okay, Jeremiah, find me one. None. The temple proclamation in Jeremiah 7, 1 through 4, God proclaims to Jeremiah to stand at the gate of the temple and to proclaim not to trust in lying lips. People saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. He says, don't trust in lying lips. Hypocrisies, exposing them. Jeremiah 20, verse 18, the people did not want to hear his words. Listen to them. They said, come, let us devise plans against Jeremiah, for the law shall not perish from the priests, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come and let us attack him with the tongue, and let us not give heed to any of his words. In fact, the king cut up the word and burned it and cast it into the fire in Jeremiah 36, 23. After he heard it. But it's okay. God had him rewrite it again and add a curse to the king. The false prophets were opposing Jeremiah. Therefore do not listen to the words of the prophets who speak to you saying, You shall not serve the king of Babylon for they prophesy a lie to you. Jeremiah twenty-seven fourteen. Do you realize that three times God told Jeremiah not to pray any longer for the people? Three times. Listen, the line had been drawn. They had passed it. There was no turning back. Listen to just one of the prayers. Therefore do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. Jeremiah seven sixteen. The other one is Jeremiah eleven fourteen, and the third one is Jeremiah fourteen eleven. Three times, don't pray for their good anymore. 
Wow. Has America crossed that line? Have we gone so far that our wound is incurable like the days of Jeremiah? The problem of the people was their heart. Forty-seven times Jeremiah mentions the heart. Forty-seven times. They had an uncircumcised heart, Jeremiah 9.26. They had an evil heart, Jeremiah 79. Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him, but what comes out of the heart, fornication is adultery. The heart is the problem. Listen to him in Jeremiah 13.22 and 23. And if you say in your heart, why have these things come upon me? For the greatness of your iniquity, your skirts have been uncovered. Your heels made bare. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then may you also do good who are accustomed to doing evil. Wow, nails him. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule by their own power. And my people love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? Jeremiah 5.31. Wow. Amazing. When John Knox was called to be a preacher by the acclamation of his fellow parishioners in the Church of St. Andrews, he was so overwhelmed that after an ineffectual attempt to address the congregation, he burst into tears, rushed out, and shut himself up in his chamber, persuaded that he could never appear in the pulpit again. Oh, I think that too often, too many men today take a call of God too lightly, and they brashly jump in and think they're God's gift to the world. May every man that stands behind the pulpit shudder before he speaks and study and pray before he addresses the congregation. For he speaks in the place of God, and he speaks truths that are going to lead people either to heaven or lies that are going to lead people to hell. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convict, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering, and teach, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 2. This is what we are to do, this is what we have done, this is what we will continue to do until God returns. Paul tells Timothy, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engages in warfare, entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 4. The ministry, the Christian life, is not pie in the sky. It's where the rubber meets the road. It's a call to follow him at all costs. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work and evangelism, fulfill your ministry. Second Timothy 4, 3 through 5. Look around, people. Itchy ears. Teachers who are there to tickle people's ears. God help us. Alan Redpath says the only way to preach is with wet eyes, a broken heart, and bent knees. That's what's lacking in the church today, both from the pulpit as well as from the pew. This was the ministry of Jeremiah. Oh, this book is incredible. Remember Jeremiah from these three perspectives. The man Jeremiah was called. The prophet Jeremiah was anointed. And the ministry of Jeremiah was difficult. What an overview. 
of this man in this book as we dwell into him and discover the treasures that are in it. Well, Pastor Xavier Rees setting the stage for a very timely and appropriate Simple Truth series of the ministry of Jeremiah. And just before we close for today, let me mention that copies of today's study, Jeremiah the Prophet, are available for only $4 on CD. And by the way, we'll be able to include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply Jeremiah the Prophet. Or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then be back for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 